our 20th episode of Bomb Talk, and our second season finale. And what timing, with the crypto bear chasing us down. When we recorded this live Twitter spaces, we were staring that bear in the face. At this time, Ethereum is barely hovering over $1,000. So, what's it all mean? What happens next? Meet Ethan Lin, one of our boldest leaders and ambassadors in Atom Bomb Squad. To close the season out, I wanted to bring someone up from the community who has the insight and composure to help us see through this crypto winter. Ethan is the co-founder of Crypto Education, a Singaporean firm. He's taught over 30,000 students and 700 mentees since 2017 with the goal of making crypto investing simple, practical, and profitable. For the squad itself, he's created the Whale Telegram, as well as the Whale and Dolphin Atom NFTs. He's the founder of the SG ABS Club, a telegram group for Singaporeans and ABS, with over 400 members. Please welcome Ethan Lin. I hope this episode brings you solace, strategy, and perspective at this point of the crypto cycle. See you next season, squad. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you're calling in from or listening in from. Uh, we're just letting everyone slowly filter into the room. Uh, wow. The 20th episode of Bomb Talk. The 20th episode. 20 episodes. Um, pretty remarkable. Not just speaking on my behalf, but the fact that many of you have consistently joined every space. Um Maybe you have the POAPs to reflect that and to show off. And for those who don't know, if uh, if you haven't already claimed one, every time we do a bomb talk here for Adam Bomb Squad, uh, we offer a free POAP, which is a free NFT, to signal that you were here. It's kind of like a cool concert ticket stab. Um, welcome, everyone. Come on in and let everyone trickle in slowly. Come on in. Um, shout out to so much of the squad that's in the room. They're here to support. because, And they're not here for me because they've heard enough from me. They're here to listen to Ethan. We have a uh, profoundly, wonderfully special guest joining us in a little bit uh, after I take care of some housekeeping um, I see my friend Sarah Script out there. Hi, Sarah. Everyone follows Sarah. She does awesome art and has been down since day one. We love Sarah. Willie's here also. Willie, who we had on recently on Bomb Talk, talking about Happy Goat. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, we're on the verge of, of his collection dropping. Please follow Willie what he's doing. As far as um, building, I mean, talk about a collection with some real utility, uh, not only for the holders of his project, but also the utility for the earth and what he's doing for regenerative farming, bringing awareness to uh, the climate crisis. Uh, it's a sorely needed project in the space. And I don't know anyone else who's doing anything like it. Happy Goat. Uh, follow Willie right there. He's dropping all the green hearts. Lindsay Burns is in the room. Hi, Lindsay. Lindsay is everywhere I go in life. Um, Lindsay's a very talented and skilled photographer. 
when I talk about NFTs, my heart um, goes first and foremost to the artists and the creators and the doers like Lindsay, who I've known for over a decade now. Um, and, uh, and Lindsay, as you know, is also affiliated, associated with the Warps crew. Warp Sounds and Warps are doing something amazing. We've also had them on Bomb Talk. We've had all the big hitters, all the power players, and the most influential at some point in the last six, seven, eight months of doing Bomb Talk. Uh, you're listening to the 20th, 20th episode. This is the second series finale. Every, um, sorry, the second season finale. Every season is is uh is 10 episodes and um i've been doing these for pretty much one and only reason outside of raising awareness of adam bomb squad our nft collection of 25,000 nfts which seemed preposterous in august of 2021 and seems not enough today in 2022 bomb talk was implemented because we're in the space to educate, inform, equip, and empower our community, most of all, uh, to Web3, to NFTs, to the future of the internet, and also just to educate gently um, the larger community uh, that, you know, this material might be a little daunting, daunting, intimidating, something I used to remark on a lot, which I think is generally understood, is that crypto can be a dark and isolating and lonely place. I'm in a chat right now with a bunch of friends and one of them just realized that he got his apes and his doodles stolen and scammed. And that's a frightening feeling for anyone who's experienced any type of scam, whether it was on that level or just something minor or trivial. And, um, you know, the space kind of makes it so that the anonymous clandestine nature also can make it kind of scary sometimes. And a lot of the language that we use, the vocabulary can be uh, code, fly over people's heads, you know, makes the space feel pretty intimidating, if not um, a little bit of a threat for those who are just curious to learn a little bit more. And so if we're out here preaching wag me, talking about uh, fairness and parity and wealth equality and access for all artists. We also need to walk the walk, walk the talk, and make it easier for our friends and family to come in and to feel like they're welcome, that the environment is warm and friendly for them and that they're supported and that they have all the runway to find success in Web3. And so if you've found that, if you found this place to be um, supportive, friendly, if you've made some money, if you've made some career moves, if you've built a lot of lot long-lasting relationships and friendships by being into NFTs, it's also your duty to do what I'm doing right now and what the squad is all about, which is helping your brothers, your sisters, your family, your friends, even your enemies, random strangers on the street, people that you're sitting next to on the trains and the planes, it's your duty to share the message, share the gospel of NFTs and Web3. Let them know what it's all about. Let them decide uh, whether or not they want to get in. But it is your duty, I think, 
to share, you know, and just tell them what it's all about. So this is what this podcast, this Twitter spaces has been about since we started it. It's always been just about sharing the wealth of knowledge, sharing the love, educating everyone to the artists and the creators that are behind these projects. It's not just about JPEGs. It's not just about flipping and trading stocks. It's actually about people's lives. There are founders who have dedicated their entirety, their careers, all their family time, their reputations are on the line, investing them into these projects. There are people like you, the collectors, maybe just casual listeners, uh, passing investors who are curious about the space. You are also comprising the history of NFTs. You are a piece of this history in its formative stage, in, in its formative stages. That years from now, three years, five years, 30 years from now, when we look back, you'll say, oh, I had a hand in that. I had a hand in building that. Because we're all teaching each other. None of us are experts. We have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. There's not a NADD, not a dull day in this space. There's constant drama, but there's even more constant innovation and creativity. And there's so much hope. Even in a bear market, which is the topic of today's bomb talk. If you're joining me now, I'm Bobby Hundreds. I'm the co-founder of The Hundreds. It is a 19-year-old streetwear brand based here in Los Angeles. I started with my best friend, Ben. We started it out of a studio apartment behind an In-N-Out over here on Venice Boulevard. And we began by putting my art onto t-shirts. At the time, we didn't have NFTs for my art to reach the masses. I felt it was the easiest, fastest, and lowest barrier of entry to have my voice heard. The sentiments that were weighing on my heart, my opinions, my perspective on the world, things that I felt were urgent, I didn't know how else to get them expressed or to be received outside of putting them onto t-shirts. And so that was the basis and the genesis of what the hundreds was. Over time, we started designing cut and sew apparel and turned into a full-fledged streetwear brand and a media platform for many years. Uh, we built multiple flagship retail stores across the country. We distribute around the world. And now 19 years later, we have a global brand that has touched multiple generations of consumers, fans, participants, supporters, and community. I wrote all about it in a book called This Is Not A T-Shirt. It's my memoir, the story of my life and also how we built this brand around community. We literally wrote the book on community-based brands. And so when NFTs came along uh, for us in late uh, 2020, I was all the way on board because for the first time, my community couldn't just feel ownership. They would actually have ownership. It wasn't just a sense of ownership. They could actually participate in the upsides that we were experiencing and everyone was mutually invested in seeing a project thrive and succeed. And that was such a, just a mind blowing concept that I'm still having trouble wrapping my mind around. Like I'm still processing and grasping and me having built and cultivated this community with Ben and all of 
the other people on our team for the last two decades, even we aren't prepared for what Web3 has provided us, which is a real opportunity for the community to come in and help partner alongside us, also get roll their sleeves up and get dirty, not just be fans, not just consume the fruits that we're harvesting, but also be digging in the soil with us, tilling the land, right? Like harvesting the fruits alongside it. So like that has been a really, really incredible experience for us. And so today's episode is dedicated to a couple points. One is we are starting off in a bear market. Uh, many critics, many experts would say that we've been in a bear market. I, I think it speaks also to this larger looming recession, which many experts believe we have already been in the recession. Um, so I want to be very mindful in speaking on those subjects. I also don't want to brush it off lightly. I know that um, I'll be straight up. It's been kind of difficult for me to go out on Twitter and pump NFTs and talk about the hopefulness of Web3 when a lot of people have been severely detrimentally impacted by the downturn in crypto over the last week and a half, couple weeks. Um, it's scary out there for a lot of people. I know there are people who are feeling it much harder than others. And I know that crypto, although it can be a rich person's playground, and many people, if not most, are out there playing with money that they can afford to lose. And even though we dedicated an entire episode of Bomb Talk to this uh, with Gary Vee about responsible collecting and only playing with money that you are willing to part with, um, I'd be lying if, you know, we, and, and I'd be stupid to say that many people, if not the majority of those who are playing crypto and NFTs may have overinvested, may have been, may, may be feeling a little bit overexposed. And so I want to acknowledge that firsthand, that this is a really complicated time for many folks. If it doesn't, you know, we all lost money, but if some of you aren't feeling it as much as others, it doesn't mean that um, it isn't a really, really tra traumatizing and desperate experience right now. So we should address that right off the bat. So let's talk about that, what it's like in a bear market. Um, and second, we'll also just talk about how much the Adam Bomb Squad community has done to help each other in this time. And so to kill two birds with one stone, I'm going to invite up Ethan Lin, um, to the stage. Ethan has been a member of our community at Adam Bomb Squad since the very beginning. Um, he has fast become one of the strongest, most vocal, most inspiring leaders in the community. We have a lot of respect for him. He hails from Singapore. Ethan is a co-founder of a crypto education firm in Singapore that they started in 2017. So he's been through a number of these cycles. In fact, last Monday, when everything seemed to be collapsing, Ben and I were on a call with him and Ethan was practically unfazed, which was humorous. But for him, he was like, look, I'm numb. I've seen this. We've been through many cycles like this and I'll tell people how to prepare, which is where the impetus for this talk came from today. Ethan's taught over 30,000 students and 700 mentees 
with the simple goal of making crypto investing practical, profitable, and simple. He grew his crypto portfolio from five digits in 2020 to just over seven digits today. Um, within the Adam Bond Squad, he created the Whale Telegram for all the whales. He created the Whale Adam and the Dolphin Adam NFTs. If you've seen those, if you're part of our community, you know what that signals. It means that you're a, um, a whale or a dolphin. You needed to own a certain amount of bombs in order to receive that mark of distinction. He started up the Singapore Adam Bomb Squad Club. Uh, it's a telegram group for Singaporeans and ABS with over, and it has over 400 members. <laughs> he has two other businesses, a corporate training business for salespeople, as well as a SaaS tool called the mindreader.ai. The, the it empowers salespeople to understand their client's preferred communication style by a few clicks of a button. Uh, and Ethan's also a dad somehow um, of an eight-month-old named Adriel. And so Ethan brings us incredible, profound insight. It's not someone who's just experienced and knowledgeable in NFTs and has been through it all. He's also um, a founder. And so he knows what it's like and he's empathetic to Ben and I. He knows what it's like on our side as well. And so to round out the second season of Bomb Squad, we just thought it would be so appropriate to have someone from the community that we trust, love and respect someone who has inspired us all and who's kind of been a beacon and a little bit of a North Star as far as crypto is concerned, um, Ethan. And Ethan, are you up on stage? Are you here? Let's see. Let's add you as a speaker. And while Ethan is warming up, uh, I want to remind everyone that you do get a free PO app for joining today. Actually, while Ethan's connecting, while, Ethan, one second, while you're connecting, Sandy, do you mind just telling us about the PO app real quick? Yeah, of course. And then just to give you guys um, a heads up, I know there's a couple of you who have joined last time and didn't get to claim your POAPs because of some bot farming that happened. Just so you guys know, we are getting more links for you guys. Um, but in the meanwhile, um, if you guys can download the POAP app that is on your phone, this is how we will be treating today's POAP. You do have to download the app first. Um, and then further down the line, I'll go ahead and give you guys the secret code so you guys can mint your POAP. Um, but it seems like Ethan's connected now, so I'll let you guys continue with the speech. Hi, Bobby. Yeah, Hi, everybody. Thank you, Sandy. We'll be back with more information about that. Hey, Ethan, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, early morning here, around 8.20 a.m. here in Singapore. But yeah, you know, because of my boy, I wake up around 6, 7 o'clock. So yes, thanks for the introduction. You know, well, you can really go on, man. <laughs> I know. I'm. Um, I like. I always say, if you hand me a microphone, I'm not going to stop talking because in real life, no one ever wants to hear me speak, and so I'm like, blah. Here's everything I've been holding back. I'm just really excited to have you here, Ethan. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's a privilege, and of course, I think. I mean, to be honest, I'm really quite nervous. I've never really spoken in a bomb talk before, and I feel very honored to 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 just share. What do I know? Yeah. <laughs> Well, you don't have to be nervous because everyone in this room, our friends, we're all here to help each other out and see each other win. And I think, um, you know, I, I, I don't know if you've ever purported yourself to necessarily be an expert, but um, I found you as being really helpful, insightful, because you come to this space, I guess, into this ecosystem with just such a level head. Like, you're just, you're honestly, like, the calmest person. I feel like I need to... You need to read bedtime stories, and then I'll be able to sleep better at night. <laughs> okay. 
I mean, I, I guess as a result of being in this space for a long time, um, I mean, there's certain things you do to to avoid the kind of roller coasters that people go through, and uh, um, and I mean, I hope to share later. I mean, maybe a little more on this as well. But it's very important to keep a level head. If not, you you can't function the rest for the rest of your life. You can't do anything else if you. Um, you know, do the, do these things wrongly as well. I mean, especially in crypto investing or even even collecting NFTs as well. I think uh, we we do need that level hit. I think if you want to be able to survive and thrive in this space in a long while. So yeah, yeah. I'll be looking forward to this to this sharing. I hope to share what I can. As you mentioned, there are no experts in this space. I agree. I don't see myself as an expert. I'm learning as well. Um, um, a lot of things that happened over the past week. I'm, I'm just watching and listening as well. Whatever happened with other NFT projects, I'm also learning as well. Uh, I'm also, you know, absorbing whatever the space is, uh, however the space is moving. And I, I'm, I'm, I, we're learning also about Web3. So I can't proclaim, I think nobody can proclaim they are experts in any way. But I guess it's the way that we filter out the information and we learn about, um, we learn about, we, we process the happenings that are happening in the space and, and, this, and, and gather the right lessons from it. I think that's probably the key that we, we um, for key to be able to continue to grow and to progress in this space. Yeah. Uh, before Ethan continues, I probably actually should throw out the disclaimer. And I think I just from a legal standpoint, I should have done this on every single bomb talk. Now that I'm thinking <laughs> about Everything that we're discussing today is not financial advice. Um, we are, and we can actually talk about this, um, uh, but first I just do want to remark that, uh, obviously collect responsibly, play in this space responsibly. Um, these, these are just, uh, opinions more or less. We're again, not saying we're the experts, but, um, let's actually begin there, Ethan, because when we were talking, we're going to bounce around a little bit, but when we were speaking last week, you said something that really struck me. And that's, you know, and, and, and it's something that I think often about just in, there's a lot of like tense points in culture in general, right? Like um, it has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but let's just say something like cancel culture. Cancel culture is really interesting and complex because many people have different ideas and definitions of what cancel culture means. And so people aren't even speaking about the same thing in the same way when they're debating a topic. And you said something really interesting about NFTs. And I find this also, as this conversation tends to well up time and time again, that there are people who are coming into this space looking at it as investors and investments, mm-hmm. right? Like you perhaps would do. Yeah. And then there are more of the people in some of the, I guess, more accessible communities um, Adam Bomb Squad might be one of them, uh, where people who have come in and are participating are seeing it more as a consumer and have come from a retail background. And there's a big difference there, right, Ethan? Yeah, that's right. Um, So, I mean, yeah, the first thing I want to mention is that everything we say here is my opinion. Uh, And uh, in Singapore, we don't have laws on securities and what we can talk about. We do not, we are not allowed to recommend investments, but anything else is fine for us, a fair game for for us in Singapore. So just to make mention, uh, regards to what Bobby just mentioned, I think, yes, I was just sharing that there's two categories of uh, people that are in NFTs. I think there's an important distinction we have to, we have to realize that, you know, uh, we can either participate in NFT collecting as a consumer and or as an investor. 
And that's an important distinction because, uh, you, for example, I just gave an example. For example, if you were a consumer, it makes sense for you to, to rush. Let's say if you see something that's really popular, a party, you see that everyone is there, it makes sense for you to join the party. Right, it is, that makes sense from a social proof perspective. You want to go there and you know, enjoy the benefits, the fun, the vibes. But from an investor perspective, that's exactly the opposite things that we have to do, which is when nobody's there, that's when you enter, when you get into the party first. Right? In, in investment, you don't think like that. You don't, when you see a party going on, your instinct should not be, I want to join the party because you don't want to be the last person holding the bag. You don't want to be the last person buying the top. So, so with that mindset, I think, uh, I mean, I approach it from an investment mindset. So I understand these things instinctively, but I realize that a lot of people approach it from a consumer perspective. So because of that, they make certain, I would say, I wouldn't call it a wrong move, but you make a move that maybe will put you in the negative, uh, put you in the red, um, because instead of, let's say, avoiding a hype, you may chase hype, avoiding, um, Avoiding uh, what do you say? Avoiding what people are looking at. You you join what everyone is looking at. So, uh, I, I like to when you approach it from an investment point of view, you definitely see it differently. You don't think of it like a um, like okay, yeah, everyone's doing it. Let me do it too. You won't think like that, right? So that's what I do actually with NFTs. I when I see that everyone is looking in one direction, I tend not to get involved. <laughs> when nobody's looking, which is uh, I think most of the community members know, when everyone is not looking at uh, Adam Bomb Squad, when it was at uh, below mint for a short period of time, I was shouting to everybody, "Buy now, buy now!" Because oh, nobody's Ethan, looking. Uh, please, yeah. please don't mention that. I have no idea what you're talking about. That never <laughs> happened. Let's strike that from the record. That was uh, <laughs> okay. a dark I mean, moment in in our in history. But uh, continue. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Yeah, that, that was, that's the way. I mean, that was my opinion, right? I told everyone, that's mine. That's not Bobby's opinion. Bobby never shows the bombs. I show the bombs, right? So um, well, I was telling people, people, you should look in this direction because nobody's looking. And that's an investor point of view. So I think that's an important distinction for everybody here as well. Like when you approach it, especially if you want to know that you are, um, um, you know. So I like to call the people who hold NFTs, uh, they're not fans. They're not investors. They are rather like fan dash investors they're both fans and investors so it's a new kind of categories and i was just ruminating uh, i was just thinking about this this category like how do you um, be a fan uh, in the sense that you love the brand you want to connect with the brand but at the same time you also want your investments in the brand to grow in the traditional world i think it's uh, broken into two right the shareholders and consumers are two different things if you were, let's say if you're a shareholder of coke for example um, you may not necessarily want to drink Coke, but you kind of dis- know that people will want to drink Coke. So you, uh, Coca-Cola, so you tell, so you, you know, you buy the company because you look at the cash flow numbers, you look at the assets, you think, you know, it makes sense to buy it, even though you're not a consumer of, of uh, Coca-Cola, for example. And then, of course, you have the consumers of Coca-Cola who do not care how the company is doing as long as the drink serves them, as long as they like the drink. So in Web3, in NFTs, we somehow fuse these two categories of people together that fans are investors at the same time, consumers and investors at the same time. So, But then I guess it creates some level of confusion as well as to how to approach uh, NFTs collecting, right? Do I look at it from an investor point of view or do I look at it from a consumer point of view? Yeah, so that, here's, my, here's a distinction. Yeah, yeah and one, um, I think there's, it's also... It also should be noted that another difference between the two is whether you're a consumer or an investor, you are expecting different things, right? And so this is where 
we get into a lot of confusion and frustration about utility because consumers are accustomed to buying something and getting something immediately in return for it. But that's not necessarily how investors approach their investments. Right? Yes, ex exactly, uh, Bobby. I think a lot of people uh, bought uh, the NFT at the start and then they were, they were demanding that you know they were given something and I realized that, that that is a very consumer mindset. Like they want to get everything. Say, hey, Bobby, you have so much money. Why don't you just give some to us? You know, why don't you just <laughs> give some perks or give some uh, free stuff to us? And uh, from an investor point of view, if Bobby you would do that, then it would make com completely no sense. You know, if I was a shareholder and looking at a company giving free stuff to consumers, I'll be like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, why why are you why are you wasting your money? Why are you um throw that? So I think that's the the confusion that people have, right? Like when when I am a collector, am I Am I supposed to be demanding, expecting more, more privileges, more perks as a result of holding the NFT? Or am I uh, looking at it from a shareholder, which is like I'm looking at the, whether the, the value is appreciating or in the asset. And so I think that confusion has caused a lot of uh, debates in the Discord. And not just our Discord, but many, many Discords. And, and people were like, some people were demanding the whatever faster. And some people were like, you know, like, we just want to see the company grow. So it's, um, a very, it's an interesting it's an interesting thing to see these two worlds interact. Uh, but me coming from the investor point of view, of course, I, I never liked the consumer way of looking at it. Uh, to me, if you were to give things that were unsustainable, which many NFT projects might be doing, which is to give things back, give free stuff here and there. But then my question comes is then how long are you going to sustain this business if you keep giving free stuff back in an unsustainable manner? Right, so the going concern of a NFT project is very crucial for me if I want to hodl a project. I don't hodl a project because I think they're going to get perks. I hodl a project because I'm questioning whether this project, this company is going to be around for the next one to two years, three years, five years, right? So I think it's a very different criteria, but I think um, we can make that distinction. We can be clearer about why we are in this project and, um, and, um, and what should we be looking out for in a project as well, yeah. Okay, so uh, piggybacking off of that, Ethan, the, um, my next question is, if you are not, and I totally agree, you know, obviously, as a founder and on the other side of this, it is unsustainable. It, it is exhausting, but it is honestly unsustainable to constantly be giving, giving, giving. Um, because the, and not just from the resources or from the labor, but really, because it'll never be enough, right? Like we offer one chicken sandwich, where's the other free chicken sandwich, right? Like <laughs> one more chicken sandwiches. And so it's it's just, it, that's a losing game as we know. So, um, but I guess for, I'm, I'm wondering you're, if you're looking at as an investor, what is, what does amount to a good investment? Like what does success look like in the end? Like for a consumer, there is an exchange, I pay for something, I get something for in return. What are you looking for when you're investing in, a, in an NFT project? Like, what does success look like to you? Uh, okay, so I think, um, great question. Uh, I mean, it's, it's the same thing, right? So if you were thinking at a consumer, right? So what would you be looking out for if you were to buy a product? You'd be looking out for, does it meet my needs? Does it give me something I want? Uh, you know, does it, give me, does it give me a great experience? which is kind of like the consumer mentality. But from the investor point perspective, you would think like a shareholder or a stockholder, should I, should I buy this stock, right? So the things I look out for, like founders, founding teams, like for your CV and Ben, you've been around for 20 years. 
what are the chances you're going to be around for the next 10 and 20? I think pretty high. Um, but at the same time, you know, if you look at a founder who just started a business, who just started a project, you know, no matter how much the community loves these people, I, I would look at it as I would look at a startup. When I first started my business in 21, 22, my first business, it was a complete failure because I didn't know what I was doing. I was just, just groping around in the dark and trying to find my way. And, you know, that's going to be a... And, and that is very crucial because that you, you know, okay, I want to say this, but you don't want to be somebody's learning process. You know, I know this sounds really controversial because in the light of what happened, but you don't want to pay for somebody to learn. You know, in the traditional business, it is not so important because I use my own money, but and when you use other people's money to learn, I think that's, I mean, you don't want to be at, a, at the other end of that, right? So that's number one, founding team. And number two, of course, execution. And I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, um, when you look when you look at an NFT project as an investment or as a something that you want to hold for the long term, you want to question whether this project can execute. Execution is the difficult part, right? The ideas are the simple thing. Anybody can stand in front of a, a bunch of investors and pitch a great grand idea about what they're going to do for the next five years, the financial projections. Anybody can do that. Uni university graduates can do that. Undergraduates can do that. No, you don't need... Uh, experience to do that but when it comes to observing a business you want to see their track record of execution how have they executed in the past and all that that's, ex that, that's executional strength and that's you can be it can be seen right obvious when an NFT project how they handle how they handle let's say small little things right communications how they handle logistics um, merchandise all these things are small little ways you can observe whether somebody's actually experienced but of course the easy way is to look at their track record um, so I think that's two things that I well, first thing I'm looking out for. But of course, other things as well. I mean, other other criteria have been. I mean, for yourself, uh, Bobby. I mean, you guys are partnered with some of the big names, uh, Coinbase, Twitter, Ledger. Um, you know, like even recently, or launched with Eastpac, with Lee, with Hello Kitty, with Harry Potter. I mean, I don't know what goes on in those meetings that you collaborate with them, but I can. I'm sure that these companies have done some due diligence on you guys and they found you guys to be a suitable partner. So, I mean, that's a way I look at it, right? If somebody uh, is willing to collaborate with you, it means that you are of a certain caliber, right, to, to be able to do that. So from the investment point of view, that's what I'm looking at. And of course, ultimately, when you think about it, it's about retention of value and, of course, uh, growth in the investments that I have. So, I mean, all these things will be dependent on ultimately underlying whether the, the company underlying it is actually working, whether it's producing revenue, Right. And that's a key, right? producing revenue. And that's one thing that most projects have not achieved, which is to produce revenue. Uh, that's, you know, in, in the traditional markets, we have two ways of uh, uh, getting money in the traditional markets. Right? If you're a startup, there's two ways. You raise capital through a seed fund, through a series ABC, or you, raise, you earn capital through revenue, through income, through producing something that consumers want. And I think this is the big business problems that most NFT projects have not solved, but Adam Bomb Squad has really been doing it, which is producing revenue for producing revenue. And to me, you, you guys actually uh, paying out royalties off revenue, it's a huge thing. Um, rather than, you know, other many NFT projects, they just pay out through cap their capital raise. A capital raise is when they do an, a new airdrop or they run, launch a new collection. And that's when they're just simply getting more new people into the ecosystem through uh, another capital raise, as I would say. There's actually no real revenue being produced here. There's no consumers that are consuming their product or their project. 
So while people are very excited over, uh, let's say, a 5 ETH airdrop, a 10 ETH airdrop, I'm not excited because it's not hard to do that. It's pretty much how can I get more people into my ecosystem by promising them a nice, another nice JPEG file. I think that's, that's not hard to do. Actually, to uh, have consumers and people who would... Uh, who will contribute to revenue of the company. I think that's a huge uh, milestone that, I mean, for the Bomb Squad, you guys have been doing that for 20 years, right? And that has not been done by most projects. And that, to me, is a going, makes uh, Adam Bomb Squad a going concern and makes me not be very um, confident in many NFT projects. Oh, wow. Well, I'm going to take that as a very high compliment. I... Sorry. Uh, was that cut off? No, go ahead. You oh, yeah. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. So how are they going to make money, right? They're going to, going to make money through um, through another race, another 50K collection, 200K collection. I don't know, right? They have to just keep doing that. And that's like, you can keep raising funds, you know, until you, one day you, you realize that there's no more funds to be raised. Like. But I think ultimately, the, that's the business task for most NFT projects. Because ultimately, NFTs are a business. They are business. They have to generate revenue, not just uh, raise more capital. Yeah, Bobby. I hope that's a comprehensive enough answer. Yeah. yeah no, that was really insightful, Ethan. Um, uh, Sandy, actually, do you want to step in again and just remind people? And I, time is flying. I didn't realize how late we were already um, about the POA. <laughs> yeah. We could all just sit here and listen to Ethan talk forever. <laughs> I feel like that's why time is just flying by. Um, but yeah, everyone, if you guys have already downloaded the POAP app, if not do so right now, the secret word that you guys are looking for is Singapore, all in lower, uh, lower caps. Um, am I saying it lowercase? All in lowercase Singapore. Make sure you download the POAP app to claim um, today's POAP. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll give it back to Ethan. No, actually, it's back to me. It's my turn to talk now, okay? Ethan's turn. It is actually always Ethan's turn. Ben and I had a call. Um, we had a Zoom with Ethan last week to everyone in the room. And um, we got off. The, we didn't want the call to end. We got off, and Ben just came over to my office, and he was just like, I could just listen to that guy talk all day long. And I was just like, I know, he's the best. He's just like so soothing but you're also just so smart and uh i don't know you just have great perspective on everything i love what you're talking about in terms of nft projects and needing to produce revenue and being sound businesses and it's something it's obviously very frustrating for us because we do run um you know a, a, a business operation we've been running this brand now for a couple of decades we have like a really methodical way of growth and um, strategy on, on how to do it and everything is so new within Web3 and NFTs that what our eventual goal is over time is we're trying to just converge both so that they're one and the same. And um, it just takes time for a lot of these things to happen. You know, <clears throat> I spent the first six months of ABS really just even across all my social channels, amplifying NFTs, doing what I'm doing right now, talking on Bomb Talk, uh, educating people about crypto. Um, and now I'm going back and starting to talk more about our physical goods again and our physical brand because the idea is that one should essentially be benefiting and informing the other. But, you know, nobody else seems to understand this on either side, right? Like my idea and like our vision for this has always been that they're one and the same. 
that they are going to not just complement, but they're going to need. And the feedback loop is that they are going to need each other. And so we see a lot of great NFT projects in this space, but I have the same thoughts sometimes of, oh, these are just, and it's like, they're just doing the same thing. They're just, it's just more airdrops. And it's like, what exactly is it that they're building? Like, what exactly are they making here? And then I think of uh, same on the streetwear side, the fashion side and the product side, where I'm like, oh, all they're doing is the same web two model where the same, the revenue still streams the same way. It's uh, being supported by community, but the community is actually not quite participating. There's not real ownership happening. And um, I still believe that we are the ones that are actually bridging the two uh, worlds, but really making it so that both um, inform the other. I think that's going to be the future, you know? And so like, you know, I'm just going to pat myself on the back and Adam bomb spot on the back real quick about that. But I think it is like a, a, an important distinction to make that, you know, NFTs to me, in order for them to achieve their maximum potential is that they should be uh, engaging with affecting interacting with all aspects of life it shouldn't just be something that happens on OpenSea.io, and that's all you ever know it as or it just lives in your metamask no it should all be one and the same it should in, in, in correlate with physical experience it should also respond to digital metaverses it's all one and the same to me and so um i appreciate you speaking on that point ethan i thought that was like that to me resonates the most i mean as a founder myself i i listened i, I feel that it's a point that's very easily missed because we are as all you always say we're in this nft bubble right like i ask myself like how many people outside of nfts actually care about dogs apes cats <laughs> you know how many if, if they were disappearing from the face of the earth tomorrow like who would care Right. That's a question I ask because, uh, and that's the relevance that a company and business needs to have, right? I mean, as a founder myself, I think about what you are trying to achieve, and I'm watching uh, you, Bobby and Ben, to see how you guys are integrating these two. Because I'm thinking about a web three model for our company as well, and as the more I think about it, I really think that is a such a daunting thing to do. Even for me, we've been in business for a while. I think it's such a daunting thing to try to integrate two worlds together. How do you turn your your fans into investors into the company and that's a huge business problem to answer actually and i sometimes i wonder why people just jump into it so quickly and without thinking through i like to tell people the blockchain is forever if you were to start an nft project your obligation to your holders is forever if not you'll rock one day one day you'll just decide you know what i'm done uh, it's moving on to the next project uh, i never want to do that so i think it's a huge undertaking uh, that you business really have to think about um, but it's it about the 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 way we are at in the NFT space right now. We are still very young. It's 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 a very young understanding of it when it's all just pictures and and social flexes and just a JPEG file. But I think it's a lot more than that. Uh, so I mean I can't wait to see what you you and Bob, uh, Bobby you and Ben are doing uh, with MomScore because I'm watching and learning at the same time as well. Yeah. So well, th thanks for sharing. I think I mean thanks for doing all you do. I think I'm learning right to see as how you engage people, how you engage the community, how you engage your partners with regards to this. And um, yeah, it's not something to be taken lightly, to be honest. And yet I see most projects do not recognize the gravity of what they are doing and they're embarking on. Uh, and they're likely going to end up 
eventually in a year's time, two years time, they're going to end up realizing that it's not worth it to do it. And they will probably, what I say, rock their project. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It might even be shorter than that. I, I would say, and I'm preaching to the choir, almost everyone in this room sees this happen every single day. There are a lot of influential people from Web2 or from the non-NFT space who are seeing this as a marketing scheme, as a capitalistic opportunity. They're seeing it as the hot new thing to get into. I got to do an NFT project as well. Uh, They come in with high expectations. All they're focusing on is a high mint. You know, they sell out, they celebrate, and then the work begins, right? Um, after this bomb talk, I'm going down the street to Matt Colin's house. Matt is Steve Aoki's manager. And so in the formative uh, months leading up to Adam Bomb Squad's Mint, I was spending a lot of time with Matt and he had already, Steve had done a few projects. And, you know, Matt, I remember the day that we minted out and um, I was talking to Matt outside his house and he's just like, now the real work begins. I'm like, what are you talking about? We just broke our backs getting this project done and committed entirety of 2021 to this thing i put everything aside i put everything on the line for this and he's just like no now it begins and i didn't realize that fortunately for me as i've written about and as i think we've practiced for a number of years we've always been about the community first and so it's like okay roll up the sleeves let's jump in the community and start building this thing together But what I see more often than not happening is that many people enter the space and then they're like, oh, wait, it's hold on. Like, I made the money. I'm not done. No. Now you begin building with all these people who believed in you, who are supporting you and came in and wanted to see the next thing happen. They don't. It's not that everyone wants to come in. And I think about this all the time with the squad. I'm sure everyone will be happy if like all their bombs turn into apes tomorrow and they make millions of dollars, of course. But I think secondary to that, people are also just really curious to see like what happens next and they want to feel like they're part of something momentous. And not a lot of entrepreneurs, founders and owners, I think, are willing to share that. Maybe they just don't know how to. I'm still learning every day. I had a call. We have a bunch of amazing youtube personalities and influencers and adam bomb squad we had a call the other day and it was so hard it took me an hour to just well up like to gather up the courage and to ask hey can you guys help because i'm so accustomed i've become so used to and so embattled as an entrepreneur that everything had to be diy come from the punk scene so everything's always diy do it yourself do it yourself don't rely on anyone else. It's also probably being the son of immigrants, especially Asian immigrants. It's like you don't ask like your elders for help. Like you do it like you learn your own lessons. And so I'm sitting on this call with these YouTubers and I'm like, they're like, hey, we want to help. We want to help. And I'm like, can you guys help me? Because I'm just so not used to that. And I have so much pride and like I'm an entrepreneur. I'm used to doing everything on my own. Well, these aren't consumers like we talked about. These aren't people coming in as fans. These people are coming in as partners. They're coming in as fellow. They believe in the project as much as you do, and they want to help. They want to help themselves, and they want to help their community. And so I was up for that. You know, Ben and myself and Sandy and the entire team was just like, all right, let's do this all together. But I just don't think many people who are coming into this naively understand that or necessarily want to do it. Fortunately for us, it's been something that we've always believed in and wanted 
from day one of the hundreds. And so it seemed, you know, it just made a lot of sense. Um, I wanted to circle back really quickly, uh, Ethan. You know, we're talking about how in this space, I mean, everything is so brand new, right? So it's hard to tell who's really in it to win it, who's sincere, who's going to stick around. I mean, you can even vet across projects or founders like us who have experience and are doxxed. But even with us, we're brand new to Web3. So we're all essentially freshmen. And so what exactly are you looking for when you're considering NFT projects, I guess, to a casual layman NFT collector or investor that's coming into the space right now, looking at the market, what should they be looking for? It's so hard to tell. It's hard to trust anyone right now. And not that necessarily they are bad characters or bad actors, but maybe they just don't know how to do this because nobody does. Yeah. um, I mean... Well, that's a really difficult question. What do I look up for? I think um, I have a few criteria that I, I write, I wrote down. Um, but I think one of the things that I look out for also is an innovation. Um, are you doing something different from everybody else? Just, are there, I mean, a project like Wap Sound, for example, I love that project because they are innovating. What does innovation signal? It signals that a person, uh, a group or a team is willing, it's using NFTs and breaking new ground with it. And People who do cash grabs never innovate. They just copy what works, right? They see, oh, wow, this project makes money. Let me create something like that and uh, maybe earn about a fraction of what they did. So that's a cash grab, right? When you look at a project, you want to look at, are they innovating anything new? Or are they simply just jumping on a bandwagon when uh, they see that there's a lot of money to be made in this space? I mean, there's really crazy money, right? Just a mint out. A normal mint might make you a $2 million to $4 million. I don't know how much, but if it's very easy money for a lot of people. And of course, different from VCs, when you raise money on VCs, you're accountable to them. But when you raise money from the retail, I mean, you can, you can get, you're definitely accountable to them, but you technically can rock as well because you can disappear and just say, oh, sorry, guys, I failed and all that. So there's a lot of, um, a lot of people that come into the space to just grab because they just see what works and they copy it and do that. So what I look out for is really innovation. If something is, some people are pushing new ground, uh, like what, what you guys are doing, like, uh, what you guys are doing, what what sound is doing, and and I see that I'm interested because it tells me that you guys are going to push new ground continually. Um, you know, small little innovations, incremental. We don't ex- we, we shouldn't be looking out for like exponential quantum innovations, but even incremental innovations are uh, typically what comes together. So what means it, it shows me that the team is wants to keep trying and trying something new, and that's number one. Number two, it's. It's something more ethereal and something more, um, how do you say, something more ephemeral. It's mission, vision, and values, right? It's ultimately with Web3, when all it boils down to is what is the, you have so many communities to join, so many groups that you can be a part of, but then what do you look out for? I look out, therefore, for the mission of the founder, the values of the founder. I think that's one thing that maybe made me really love the Bomb Squad is your values, your your values, your um, your mission, um, you know, I like to say that um, a big brand can start an NFT project, but it doesn't mean they're going to share their company with you. They are not going to. It's just a side project for them. It's just an, a little, let's try this new innovation that everybody is talking about. That's why you say everyone's jumping on a bandwagon. Let's jump on it too. It's more like a membership, you know, for many big brands that do that. So it's not that they're going to share any of the upside with you. They they can't do that because they have to share it with their shareholders. right? And then they're, 
that that's that's the one thing about them is that they they can't do that. And for and then of course in the other side are small little startup projects that are willing to share everything with their community, but uh, they may lack the expertise, they may lack the infrastructure to do so. So what I see for you uh, in Adam Bomb Squad is the bridging of the two. That you are with, you are a brand that have been, been been doing good revenue, but you are also willing to share that. In uh, you have said it multiple times, you are willing to share that with your NFT holders, and you want to share the upside. And that to me is a very unique. You are at a unique crossroads, and that makes it very, very, very unique. Actually, um, people don't usually see this, but I saw this quite quickly, and I that's why I invested. Uh, I I collected a lot of Animal Squad because I felt that you guys were unique in that sense. And that then and there's a sense of abundance as well. Uh, what you guys are doing and you are building the space. You are not. You have mentioned this a few times. It's not about tribalism and a tribalism is a sense uh, as a as a scarcity mentality. It's either more for me and less for the rest, right? More for my tribe, less for the others. And I what I saw in you is a desire to build a whole space in itself, and in a sense that makes you a friend to all not a competitor to any and that's uh, a, a mindset of abundance and you can see through your bomb talks that you always highlight people you refuse to talk about your own bomb squad which frustrates the community but to me it's a bullish thing right <laughs> that you you would love to highlight other people to build other people up rather than to keep talking about your own project why is it so good which i see most of the uh, projects are doing so that's another sign that I, I i've aligned with you in that values because i really believe in that too to share, to to win together, to like walk, walk me together, right? Walk me, okay, walk me has together in it. So yeah, to walk me, right? So I think those values I resonated with. Uh, it's not spoken, it's displayed. You know, uh, I think that uh, a lot of people in this space like to say that, but don't don't actually show it. Uh, that's where I align with, uh, I guess you and Ben also in your, in terms of values. So that's why the two maybe things I look out for on top of the other things I mentioned the more business side of things, but these are the two things I would look out for um, to discern on a great NFT project, which I would say very few and far between, you know. If those people can look into my portfolio to know what I have, it's 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 really not many of projects out there that, that fulfill these criteria. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ethan. Mission and values are what Ethan was just saying that he looks for and considering um projects you know where the founders stand what their values are what they plan to do what they're working on i um i've seen so many brands come and go obviously in web3 it's very new so i can't speak so much to it um to the nft space so i always draw streetwear comparisons just because i do see a lot of parallels i think there are some timeless truths just across branding and business like a lot of it actually is the same you know the the technology might differ uh the culture and the climate and the context might differ but the much of the dynamics seem to be rather timeless and truthful and um for me mission and values are really important i'm just thinking of believers and brands and founders that i've always followed admired and believed in um grit is probably something that i consider higher above most um there just is something about founders who have that grit that tenacity that perseverance where they are disciplined enough to weather all the storms um the peaks and the valleys uh and are consistent like i talk a lot about consistency 
um, especially in my book, This Is Not a T-Shirt, there's a chapter called, I think it's called Consistent. Maybe it's in that book, but I talk about consistency, being consistent consistently. And I think that seems to be the ultimate measure of a brand, you know, that will have staying power and that will uh, succeed far past the others are the ones that know that it's really about a marathon, you know, shout out to Nip, but um, Nipsey Hussle rapped a lot about the marathon. It wasn't about the short spurts or the quick races. It was about your me- you're measuring yourself, you're tempering yourself, uh, moderating yourself to make sure that you're here for the long run. It's really hard to do that as a founder today. It's even harder to do it as an investor or collector because there's so much noise, right? And especially in this last month with the other side land drop and Azuki's are doing this and, oh my God, let's run over here because you see what these guys are doing. And it's hard like for everyone to focus and to pay attention and to concentrate on one thing. And so it seems to me that the people who do that as founders, but also as the followers, the supporters, the community, um, those people seem to just win out the longest to me. I've seen it happen time and again in street where I see the burnout coming long before most of the market does. There are brands that just come in really hot where they might have a ton of money behind them. There's puppeteers behind them, corporate puppeteers or just backers, investors, and they just come and they blow out and everyone's like, why can't you be like them? Why can't we be like them? And within months or even two to three years, they're gone. And people forget what that was and it just wasn't worth it. And so um, we've learned that, we've seen it so many times and we've seen the benefits of playing the game that we know how to play, which is passion, patience and passion, passion and patience. I, I write a lot about this, right? Like being disciplined in the mind, but also being passionate in the heart and, and, and passionate about what, you, what it is you're working on. So it's like that balance to me, I think, is, is really how to play the game right. Um, as we're winding down here, Ethan, I do want to address more elements of the bear market that we're in. And I know a lot of people are distressed. And so what kinds of words of advice do you have for people who might feel like they're a little bit overexposed right now, just nervous, anxious about the market, not even just in regards to crypto, but just NFTs, and maybe even it's on a macro level. Um, they're feeling a little anxious just about like their money that they have and how they spend it. You have a really you have a really discerning mind on what responsible investing and and uh, trading looks like. And I, I just if you don't mind sharing some of that. Oh my God! Did we lose Ethan? No, Ethan's back. Okay, let's see. Ethan. Ethan's calling in from Singapore, by the way. Let me reset the room really quickly. All right. Um, okay. There you are. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Go ahead, Ethan. Um, okay. I think the first thing which I think Gary mentioned is to uh, only only invest what you can afford to lose. I think the bear market has really made um, made a lot of people. I think you know, of course, all the emotions. I think they're they are over leveraged and all that. 
And I think the key here is this, that now you've been through one cycle, it's for you to reflect on what's the lesson to take from here. And uh, I think that's important, not just to um, just, and, and because there's going to be another cycle, there's going to be another book, there's going to be another bear. Um, so I think the first thing uh, is that never infor- uh, invest what you can afford to lose. And Gary Vee mentioned about this, right? Never invest what you can afford to lose. But I think that concept is very absurd. Just joking with Bobby, you that uh, that you know in, in Singapore and America we have very different concepts of what we can afford to lose. You know, in crypt in my in my kryptonite training, crypto training academy, we talk about it like in for us, right? Our uh, recommended allocation for crypto is ten percent of our investment portfolio, of which that thirty percent of that ten percent goes to NFTs and and small caps. So that's our allocation, right, <laughs> to that, and that's what we can afford to lose. So my partner like to, likes to call that the natural stop loss. If let's say crypto really goes to zero, I mean, um, which unlikely unless I mean unless you are invested in uh, a particular coin this past week, but it, the, your stop loss is ten percent. You lose ten percent. Your lifestyle is not affected in any way, and that's crucial. Uh, that's important. And you know, I'm just joking that, and maybe in US, you guys, when you say afford to lose, is how much credit you have, you can spend. <laughs> I think that's that's maybe what people might define as what you can afford to lose. And so that, that's, that's a really two different definitions of the same word, what you can afford to lose. But in general, I would advocate, I mean, if you want to use a more liberal way to look at it, at least have a system to decide, right, how much um, you can uh, you can lose. X amount, maybe 100,000, then you will only put 10,000 into cryptos and NFTs. And that's it for you. No more, no less. You keep it there. Uh, that's your discipline. And why is that important is also because um, you, when you're investing, when you're collecting, you don't want your emotions tied up as well. A lot of people got emotional when the bombs went down on the stock market, when the market went, crypto market went down. They started blaming the founders, do something about the floor price, do something about that. But that's unfair, right? You, It's like telling a CEO of a company to in, improve their stock price because, uh, you know, their stock price is dropping. It's like, what do you want a CEO to do? What do you want a company to do? Just doing what they've always been doing for the past past 10, 20 years, you know. So I think that's the first thing. Invest, invest what you can af- you can afford to lose, right? Which is, a, you need to define that for yourself, everybody, a system that works for you. So that's the first thing that we have to learn from, from this. And um, when you get emotional, when you, you tend to make bad decisions as well. When you get emotional, you tend to sell the bottom. You tend to buy the top. You know, um, you know, you tend to buy the FOMO where everyone is FOMOing, you're also buying in. When everyone is uh, selling, you are also selling, and that's the sure recipe, sure way of losing money in in, in any market, right? So um, that's why you invest what you can afford to lose. Because right now, even I can tell you guys that I in the past two weeks, right, my portfolio has dropped by six digits, and I felt nothing. <laughs> I feel nothing. Why? Because I've taken my profits. I'm using house money. And I feel nothing, right? Whether the market goes up or down, the market goes up, I'm happy, goes down, I'm a bit sad, but it doesn't change anything about my lifestyle. I don't need to take out the money for anything. Um, therefore, it's just there. So when you remove that emotion from it, you number one, have holding power. And in um, Bron Buffett says, right, that um, the market is a place for transferring money from the impatient to the patient. So it, it's it's basically it, right? Without When you invest money, you can afford to lose, you have holding power. You can think more rationally and you will make better decisions as a result. I think that's the first thing we must learn from this. The second thing, I think in a bear market, um, while people are thinking about selling, liquidating, the best times, uh, this is actually the best time to accumulate your 
collect your bombs or buy your crypto or whatever, it's actually the best time. Because typically, generational wealth is made in the bear markets. I know that sounds very cliche, but it's true. It was true for my business partner, Chris. I can share a bit about business partner, Chris. He was my co-founder of uh, the Crypto Training Academy. And in March 2020, those of you who know the COVID crash in March 2020, he, he got liquidated. He got margin call. He, his assets dropped from high mid-six digits to like 30,000. He was left with 30,000 and it was devastated. But instead of you know leaving the market and quitting forever, he continued to learn and continued to study the markets and to understand DeFi. Right, decentralized finance, he started to learn about it. And uh, in by by September or October, his portfolio was up from that thirty thousand to to about eight hundred thousand. Right. And in a year's time it then that became ten times of that. He became a multimillionaire just in that, that ten years. And not saying that it will happen for everybody who does that, but it was when he was when nobody was paying attention to the markets, when everyone was like, you know what, let's move on to something else more interesting. He was focusing, he was learning, he was accumulating. And that's why he's ahead of me by a factor of 10, even though we, the only difference we had was six months of difference, right? He re-entered the market. He continued to stay in the market. I entered only, re-entered again in September. That six months made a factor of 10 difference. And that's what it means by generational wealth is often made in bear market. So for those of you guys feeling discouraged, um, don't be. Um, pay more attention right now. When nobody's paying attention, you pay more attention. You learn what you can. Uh, it's a great time actually because in the bull market we all feel tired, drained, fomoing. Oh, that project, that project. You know, go on. You know what, Azuki beans and Azusaile. You know, it's one after another. It's just so exhausting. But in a bear market, when things are calmed down, you have more time to research, more time to think about your what you're doing, and make better decisions. So that's my encouragement to you guys, right? That see this as actually a great opportunity to, to 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 get in right now to to learn to study the research and uh, that's where you will be far ahead by the next time the next bull cycle comes along. Yeah. So I think that's my, my two pieces of advice. Yeah. Bob, Bobby. Yes. Thank you so much, Ethan. I, um, wow. I mean, a lot of that hits. I'm also realizing I am way overexposed on my uh, crypto percentage there. Um, I also feel nothing, but mainly because I'm dead inside at this point. Uh, But uh, (laughs) no, I and and you're like, don't be emotional. I'm like, oh, no, I'm like the most emotional person. So I'm. I'm I'm so glad that you're here to set the record straight. Um, I'm, I'm, and I'm not the one that is giving anyone any type of uh, sharing any type of wisdom when it comes to this because I'm clearly not the guy. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, I guess I don't know. I mean, I I think we can pretty much end there. I I just um, I I feel the same way that you do, Ethan. I think. Um, the people that I trust in crypto, the ones that seem to be the most experienced, the most knowledgeable, um, the ones who've actually been in this for uh, a while, seem completely unfazed. Like you were unshook when we were talking last week on Monday and Ben was like, oh my God, today's the craziest day. And you're like, oh, oh really, is it? <laughs> you're like, I'm numb. And I'm like, no, me too. I'm numb. I, I understand. I'm paralyzed with fear. And you're like, no, no, no I'm just, I'm, I'm numb because I've, seen this many times before and when i think about it even um on like from our perspective as clothing you know fashion guys and having built like a web 2 business 
I'm the same. You know, we go through very volatile cycles in markets as well. And the brand literally can turn off overnight. There are seasons where we're just humming along and then all of a sudden the marketplace decides that they want to cool off on wearing the hundreds. And we have no control over that. And I've been through it so many times that I immediately know what to do, like how to conserve, right? Like how to cut overhead where we have to, how to pare the line down where we have to, you know, call in the uh, the backup efforts, you know, call in all the favors. Like there's just like a, a rhythm and a, and a method to the madness of how to reconcile and to survive, you know, through these valleys. And so crypto, I'm so new to crypto, you know, I've been in it, we've been in it since 2017, but not to the extent that it is now. So to me, like, I feel it very much like much of the squad does where I'm like, oh, this is very alarming. Like everything is just being raised in half. But this is seen all across the board in all aspects of life. Right. Mm -hmm. And you get you get older and you, you know, you, you get you deal with it. Um, and so I do share a lot of the enthusiasm that I'm seeing from some of the true artists and creators, the builders in the space, people like you who are doing the work and sharing and, and educating that this is like such a peaceful, calm time for everyone to collect themselves, uh, reorient themselves, like gather themselves and, and to basically realign what it is that it is that we're trying to build. I think there's been so much noise there's so much fat that we need to trim, right? There's a lot of people yeah. who've come into the space that have drained the market of ETH. And maybe they will be hesitant to join now because they just don't see it as a quick, you know, get rich quick scheme or a quick opportunity anymore. So it leaves more space and room for us to develop and build. And I personally haven't felt as inspired and creative and as driven and passionate about Adam Bomb Squad and what we're doing on the hundreds NFT side, I haven't felt like this honestly since before we minted. And I think it's just because everything was so chaotic that it was just very hard to know exactly what it was that anyone was doing. It was just so noisy that it's like very hard to concentrate and build in that environment. But now we're in a space where it's just like, okay, everyone can take a knee for a second and reprioritize think about what's right what it is that they exactly want to do because no one's really paying attention right now to be honest like no the media is not making huge headlines about bazillion dollar jpegs right now so this is the moment and when it circles back around because it always does there's so much infrastructure already built into this space there's so many people that are so invested and believe in it that's not going away Right. And so when it does come back around, it's going to come back harder and stronger yeah. and we'll be prepared for it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think, um, I mean, I know you're supposed to end soon, but maybe I just say a few more words. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, please, please, please go ahead. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I, I think, uh, exactly. This is the time that we built. And I, I want to talk about this. You mentioned also in the discord that we are, every person's an entrepreneur here and, and the way that Anabomb Squad succeeds is when everybody builds, uh, not just coming to, to consume and ask like, you know, when's the next utility, when's the next drop, but everyone builds together. And I think that is the model of Web3 that we had to pursue because uh, how do you make, uh, uh, like, how do you help an NFT project succeed is when you build together. And, uh, but why Adam Bomb Squad, right? It's because, I mean, you have mentioned a few times as well that you have, among anybody else, you have invested the most into into. ABS above anybody else. And 
on that foundation, I'm willing to build because if I sense that a founder is here for a short time and they're just here for a quick crash, why should I build on that foundation? There's no foundation on that to build, right? But I, for, for, for what you guys are doing, I feel like, you know, we can, all of us can just play a little part to just build this. And that, that's what I've done to build. And Will was asking me that day, would you like to work for the hundreds? I'm like, um, I'm already working for the hundreds. What are you talking about? <laughs> right? So I think that's the beauty of NFTs that we are all building together. Uh, we are all we win together, right? And that's that's ultimately where we want to be, especially in this bear market, right? Then that you you can't see opportunity to flip. That, that's not the time to look look for all these things. It's the time to uh, uh, yeah reprioritize and to um, add value. I would say uh, and onboard people, and that's what I've been doing, right? In the Singapore side, and I guess a lot of sorry, I guess a lot of them from Singapore like think the same as well and that's why most of them are hodlers many of them are whales and um, they are quiet whales they don't really talk a lot but they, they accumulate uh, but it is really the time to do it together I think uh, so I just want to shout out to everybody as well to let's build together let's uh, make it together as well yeah Bobby back to you I love that Ethan and you're remarking that um, you know you you already work for the hunters I, I would I would say that, yes, you do already work for the hundreds, but I feel like I work for you. We all work for you. But um, there is like this beautiful social contract in place with pure Web3 mentality minded NFT projects and collectives like ours, where it is everyone is working for the project. But it's more like if you think about it, you know, and we talk a lot about this with like brand building and business, that there is actually no such thing as a brand, right? It's like. The church isn't the building, it's the congregation, right? Like, what exactly is Adam Bomb Squad? At the end of the day, think about it. Like, what is it? It's not like JPEGs, right? It's like, because those can change or those can, you know, we, those can be adjusted or it could just be another. J so it's like not actually these like images. It's like, what exactly is it? Well, it's the community, right? And so when you're investing in these pictures, you're actually investing in other people. Like, you're counting on other people to do their part. You're entrusting them, right? Not just from like a friend level, but also on a business level of like, you're going to take care of me, I'm going to take care of you. It's these giant leaps of faith that are happening within Adam Bomb Squad and similar minded NFT projects like ours on a, a daily basis. And to me, like, that's one of the most brilliant and hopeful aspects of all of this that at the end of the day, we're in a bear, right? There's a looming recession uh, if we're not already in one. And still people are committed to each other saying, I got your back. Trust falls like, you know, like around the world. Like we, we all have each other and like we're going to take care of each other. And, and I can I believe in you and you believe in me. And because like I put myself out there and I'm vulnerable and, and I'm, I mean it when I say I've invested my entire career into this, put everything on the line dived in headfirst and you saw that and said i'm gonna do the same and then thousands of others especially many of them are in this room right now are doing the same right every day we wake up and we recommit ourselves to the squad to web3 to nfts and to ethan right to will x ham to nate to rad laser falcon danko right to josh vitas in the room still rocking his josh vitas bomb one of the biggest artists in the world right now like still committing showing up to the bomb talk 
right? Scott, who's in here, who just wrote a, an, an amazing piece in the Harvard Business Review mentioning Adam Bomb Squad. Like, that's the commitment. Like, he's giving back to the squad to each of all of you, and you're doing it to each other. And so, like, when you think about NFTs like that, right? Like, and you think of how powerful that really can be when humans are complete strangers, many of us anonymous, many of us have never met in person ever. Maybe we never will, but we're like, I'm going to take a leap of faith. And what's the biggest leap of faith that I'm going to put my money on the line. Like I'm going to throw my money on the table, my hard earned money. I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to trust you to do something with that. Like, holy shit, you guys like that. That is insane. And so, um, I'm going to wrap it up here. I, real quick, I want to shout out Andrew Seinfeld. He's Seinfeld in the room. I just want to shout him out also. Um, but uh, I just want to do um, – let's end it there. You know, I think – I just want to thank everyone who, for being in the squad. I want to thank you, Ethan, so much for giving us your time. I mean, you charge for this. You've taught 30,000 people um, about crypto, and, like, you gave us this all for free. So, you know, there's utility, Adam Bomb Squad. We just gave you, like, free sage advice from the king. Um, I don't know if you have any parting words, Ethan. you want to throw anything else out there? Mm. Let me think. Do I have anything? No, just let's come continue building. Yes. Yes, let's do that. Let's just keep building the community. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. That wraps up the second season of Adam Bomb Squad Presents Bomb Talk. If you missed this or any other uh, episode, they will all be uploaded to wherever you listen to your podcasts. And I'll be back soon with another season, some more guests, and hopefully more Ethan. Follow Ethan, by the way. Follow him. Okay. Good night, everyone.